0: Welcome to the Joseph Barlow Ministries Podcast. Here, you'll learn from a real-life dad about raising a family, developing a healthy marriage, and teaching your children to find their purpose. Here he is, Joe Barlow. Well, let's go ahead and start. Father, we love you and thank you for this night. Thank you for your love, your blessing on our lives. Lord, I thank you that you are at work in us. You're at work in this country. Thank you, Lord, that uh, we, we declare your kingdom come, your will be done over America, in Jesus' name, that uh, you would establish your righteousness and, uh, and have your way, in Jesus' name. Um, Lord, bless this night, bless the hearing of the ears, and uh, bless the, uh, the speaking of the word and how we honor your word. Lord, let it be strong, let it be real, and let it be helpful. In Jesus' name, Lord, we really want it to all work in our lives and teach us how it works. Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, so, l- real quick, what does anybody remember? What you learned? Anything that you learned last week? Anything that caught your eye or attention or uh, or helped you at all? Do you remember what we talked about? We talked about the foundation. The foundation of the yeah, the marriage relationship being foundational in the home. Yeah. We need to have an umbrella. We need to have a yes, exactly. Kimberly, if you could hand those to Wendy, that would be great. Thank you. And triggers equal temptations. Yeah, triggers equal temptations. That's very good. That's very good. Uh, go ahead, Spencer. The discipline of intimacy overflowing into all aspects of your life. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the I said the discipline yes. of intimacy. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, sometimes people go in and have prayer time and then they come out and they're mean as a snake. <laughs> it's like, who you been hanging out with in there? <laughs> you know? <laughs> what was that all about? <laughs> you know? Uh, you know, hopefully if, like when, when Moses came down from the top of the mountain, his face was shining. And uh, the glory was so strong that he had to put a veil over his face because it was just so much. And... Um, so we we have uh, we should shine. I mean, we should be like those little glow in the dark things that you know, the stickers that you put on the ceiling for your kids. You know, the little stars. You know, <laughs> make them think that the stars are out in their bedroom. You do, yeah, Roger. You can check that out. Yeah, you, you'll you'll find them. Target has them, you know, <laughs> or or uh, what's the other place? Hobby Lobby. Uh, <laughs> so. Um, but we should be like that glow-in-the-dark material. If you hang out with the light, you should glow. You know, you should shine. If you if you are hanging out with the light, you should shine. Uh, there should be something coming from you uh, that is... Uh, the essence of who he is should be coming through. Amen? To, to those around you. They should be able to get something from you that... Uh, uh, that you picked up from his presence. And uh, honestly, I'll just give a fair warning. It should never be legalism. Okay? Anything you get from the Lord, He's it, remember that it's for freedom that Christ has set us free. And uh, God, while he may discipline you and correct you, which, you know, if, if you're never getting any correction from the Lord, I would wonder if you're actually hearing from him honestly, if, if everything you're getting from God is all flowery and, and, oh, you're such a wonderful person and I'm just so glad you came into my kingdom, uh, I would wonder if you're actually hearing from the Lord because the Lord is a father. And while he, does, he will speak to you tenderly and he will coax and draw your heart closer to himself, um, if you never get any correction, again, I would wonder if you're hearing from him because he is a father. And he will bring correction to you. But I will tell you this. Honestly, every time I've been corrected by the Lord, I have felt so loved. Honestly, I have felt so loved. I never felt, when, when God corrected me, I never felt <coughs> any condemnation. Um, <coughs> I never felt condemnation or... Uh, you know, just that I was worthless or anything like that, I always felt 100% accepted and loved and not condemned because God is so faithful. He is a father. He he rebukes everyone he accepts as a son, okay? And uh, ladies, once again, uh, don't let that word exclude you, please, okay? Please don't let that word exclude you because we are all the sons of God. And remember, it's the sons who get the inheritance most of the time. So, ladies, you definitely don't want to exclude yourself. Remember, we're all male. It's just some are f- males that can bear the fetus. So it's a female, okay? And uh, awesome. Welcome, welcome. <laughs> and we're we're all um, we're all man, but some have a womb. So the wombed man, right? And um, so we can. Uh, you, you don't, ladies. I always just say, just translate yourself right into that. Because it says in Galatians that it's, there's no longer male nor female in Christ Jesus. It doesn't say there's no longer male nor female in marriage, by the way. R- remember this. It doesn't say, I'm going to repeat that. It does not say that there's no longer male nor female in marriage. It says there's no longer male, male nor female in Christ Jesus. Okay. In marriage, there is still male and female just so you know. Okay? That was never washed away. Uh, That was not changed in the New Covenant. Okay? And uh, so we need to, um, ladies, I just don't want you to miss out on your inheritance. Okay? Don't miss out on your inheritance. And I'm not trying to be sexist by just using the phrase man or mankind. I want you to understand. uh, There's no longer male nor female. Just count yourself in there. That's mine too. You know? (laughs) And... um, It'll do well, but please don't take offense at that. Um, what else did you learn last week? Anybody? What, what did you learn last week? To train our flesh to walk in the spirit. And we got it all done last week, right? We're all flowing <laughs> We're in all it. We're all good. Okay, we don't need to hear any more about that. I'm going to move my, I feel a little off-center, if you don't mind following me, John. I'm going to move that here just so I can be a little closer to this side of the room. Um, <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, it's such a deal. Um, Okay, thank you. Um, So repeat that again. We talked about to train our flesh to walk walk in the Spirit. Spirit. So you, you put down the flesh, and this is why we fast. When you fast, you're getting the flesh to shut up, and you're quieting that voice. You know, it may seem to you, after the first half of a day of fasting, that your flesh is not quieted down. It's screaming, okay? And you have, you're, that means you're still in the wrestling match. You, you keep going until you get to the point where, honestly, your hunger disappears. Uh, after, and sometime, and that's when you switch over into ketosis, I guess is what it is. But, but uh, once that happens, your hunger goes away, which is why they said when Jesus was fasting uh, for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness it says, and then he was hungry. He wasn't hungry for the whole 40 days. He he wasn't hungry since his body switched over into ketosis, but normally your body has about 40 days worth uh, to eat up before it says, okay, if you don't start feeding me now, I'm going to have to start eating some organs, okay? And you don't want to have to do that. But normally the human person has about 40 days of, of reserves, you know, on most of us, and some a little more, some a little less. Um, But it was at that point that he was hungry. And at that point, that's when the temptation is the strongest. If you don't eat then, you're in physical danger, okay? So that's when the devil stepped in and said, turn these stones to bread, okay? And uh, which, by the way, um, not to offend any Michael Jackson fans, but he said that song was from the Lord when it said, you know, we are the world. <coughs> I'm sorry, I don't wanna step anybody's toes, but, um, but he said that song was from the Lord. And, but it, it, it couldn't have been because one of the, right there, that verse, he said, as the Lord has shown us by turning stones to bread. No, 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 Michael, he, he did not turn stones to bread. The temptation was to turn stones to bread. He didn't turn stones to bread. That was what the devil wanted him to do. Amen. Uh, I'm not trying to cut down MJ or anything like that. All right. Here we go. Um, one more thing. Anybody else learn anything last week that you, you, you want to share? That you end right at 8.30. That I end right at 8.30. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <clears throat> Amen. That's a beautiful thing, isn't it? That's a beautiful thing. All right. I know you are. All right, so listen, I want to get into tonight's message. And as I was praying about this, I just felt uh, the key, because we're talking about marriage, we need to go to the primary marriage chapter. And that would be Ephesians chapter 5. And (coughs) so this is the chapter that, well, some use it for ammunition. You know? And, uh, and and some, uh, some ignore it, <coughs> and they say, well, this just doesn't fit my reality, so I'm not going to go on that playground right over there. I'm not going to venture into Ephesians chapter 5. My personal view <coughs> is that all Scripture is God-breathed, and it's, uh, it's fruitful for correction and admonition and training and instruction. And um, so when I look at Ephesians chapter 5, you know there's some wonderful things in it and there's some scary things in it. Okay? <laughs> but I do believe that if we will venture into it and learn, uh, we can be changed. We can be changed. Okay? Um, so years ago... Uh, I was driving, my, my sister was in town with her husband, and uh, they're not believers. And we had our kids sitting in the back seat, and they were there with us, uh, my, my sister and her husband. And, and my sister was talking about something, and um, this, whatever she said, displayed that uh, she was definitely not going to do what her husband said. And so one of my children piped up and said, But the Bible says, wives, submit to your husbands. And she just simply said, well, I don't believe that. And so for her, it was no problem at all, you know, uh, to completely dismiss it because the Bible in her world is not an authority, okay? Now, when I share these things tonight, I want you to understand that we cannot approach these things from a legal perspective. We cannot say this is the law. It's not the law. The law has passed away. You know, it says anyone who's led by the Spirit is not under the law, right? There's that one passage that says, you know, as the Scripture says, why uh, women are to be quiet in the church, as it says in the law. It doesn't say it in the law. Well, why does the New Testament says, as it says in the law? Well, it, when it doesn't say it in the law, it does not say it in the Old Testament that the women are supposed to be quiet in the church. It doesn't. <clears throat> so Paul was actually quoting in Corinthians the Corinthians letter to him. And so he was quoting it and then making corrections. Okay? So it's like women are supposed to be quiet in the church as it says in the law. And he said, did the word of God originate with you guys? <laughs> in other words, you obviously don't know the scriptures. As Jesus said to, to the Pharisees, he says, you do err because you don't know the scriptures. He said it to the Sadducees. He said, you do err because you do not know the scriptures. Uh, so he, effectively, Paul was saying the same thing to the Corinthians. You guys got it wrong. Okay. Remember, in Christ Jesus, there's no longer male nor female. But that is not the situation in marriage, which is why we have no problem having women teach in this church. There's zero problem having women teach in this church. I don't have a problem with it because this, I mean, in, in the scriptures there were several women who were apostles. Now, how can you be an apostle and can't teach in a church? That doesn't make any sense. Okay, Paul was correcting some specific things in. I'm getting off into this. Paul was speaking some specific things to that particular body or that particular uh, group of, of people there, and he was bringing them correction, things that they would need in their in their situation. Anyway, enough of that. There is no longer male nor female in Christ Jesus. But there is still male and female in marriage. Praise the Lord. I'm mighty happy about that. Okay? Um, So what I'd like to do... uh, Well, let me take you a second verse uh, before we get into Ephesians chapter 5. And it says in John chapter 2, verse 5, okay, in John chapter 2, verse 5, Mary says to the servants at the wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. She says to the servants, whatever he says, do it. Whatever he says, do it. Okay? Now, um, I like that. When I was going to uh, work under Bill Winston, okay, okay, I was I started out as uh, volunteering in the School of Ministry, leading worship at the chapel services, and then I got hired as the sound man to run sound for the or run audio for the uh, School of Ministry, and then the School of Business. So I got to go through both of those. <coughs> Praise the Lord, that was awesome. And then um, uh, and then they made me the music ministry coordinator. And then it was coming time to be uh, the, my next promotion was the director of the School of Ministry in the Bible Training Center. That all happened in less than a year, which was crazy, you know, for, that, for that, those promotions to happen so rapidly. Um, but when I was coming into position as the director of the School of Ministry and the Bible training and the World Missions and the Foundations Ministry, um, I prayed about it. I said, Lord, you gotta, you got to speak to me. And Nancy and I were praying, and God gave me a verse, and it was John chapter 2, verse 5. Whatever he says, do it. So for me, it was very simple working for Bill Winston. Very easy. Because it took the, the brunt of being the decision maker off of me. He was the decision maker. I was like, wow, what a wonderful place to be. You know, it's so easy. I love being the number two man. And God kept putting me at the number one position. I'm like, I like to be number two. <laughs> and he's it keeps putting me at number one. Well, because once you're trained up and being number two, then you're 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 fitted, you're qualified to start making decisions as number one. Um, but God won't promote you too quickly, okay? God won't promote you too quickly. Um, so whatever. So this was a lesson that I had to learn, and I had to learn it deeply in my heart. <sighs> um. Another problem you could run into um, in, um, in dealing with this chapter in Ephesians chapter 5. Another problem that you'll run into is pride, okay? Because if, if the verses that are in, praise the Lord, welcome. If the verses that are here in this chapter if they don't fit you, it may be that you need some trimming. Um, imagine if I had a puzzle piece up here, okay? This puzzle piece, and it was supposed to fit in in the puzzle just perfectly. But what if this was a kind of a weird puzzle piece in that it had grown? Maybe somebody got water on it and it expanded. So now this puzzle piece no longer fits. This puzzle piece no longer fits where it belongs. If it doesn't fit where it belongs, then it needs to be and there needs to be some trimming. You with me? Pride will puff you up and distort the shape of who you are. Um, we used to talk about, you know needing to get a pin to pop this guy's head because his head got so big doesn't even fit through the door you know when people get prideful um uh it's a painful thing to be around somebody who's full of pride just honestly it is and um if you want to know the truth about that just ask anybody who uh, hang around me you know <laughs> no not <laughs> hopefully not now so much as in years gone by um it was painful for people it's painful to be around somebody who's full of themselves. Okay, if you're full of others, always remember this one thing. The word mothers is so powerful because it's mostly full of others. Okay, the word mothers is mostly full of others. That's why there's a powerful thing there. There's a, um, if you're full of yourself, you can be lonely And the sad thing is you'll probably enjoy your own company if you love yourself so much. You know? You know what I'm saying? What I'm telling you is that if these scriptures don't fit like a a well-fitting glove or a, a perfect shoe, it might be us who needs to be trimmed back and changed. Not that we change the scriptures. We don't change the scriptures. We let ourselves be conformed to him okay now again <clears throat> if you were raised like myself you would have a natural tendency to put law on yourself that's not what I'm saying and that's not what I believe the Lord is saying many times people teach um, Galatians five, twenty-two and 23 like we taught it last week the fruit of the spirit and so then they think okay I got to start doing better in love. I, I joy and peace and patience. I got to do better. I got it. I got I I I I I. Okay? Remember this that Satan's temptation started with the word I. Cuz he said, "I will ascend to the hill of the Lord. I will I don't know if you've read that passage, but it's full of I will, I will, I will, I will." Okay? So If you get, and there was a song the kids used to sing one year in a Christmas musical. It was, is, uh, we got eye trouble, (laughs) eye trouble. Everybody's looking out for number one. And that's a that's a painful, um, dissatisfying life. Because you, if you live in the mode of constantly trying to fill yourself up, then you'll never be filled. But if you live from the perspective of me and Jesus are one, I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, let's pour out. I'm going to live my life pouring out because I have a never ending supply. A friend of mine is a missionary, and he told his wife, he said, Honey, you are free to give away anything in the home. He comes home one day, and the brand new TV set's gone. <laughs> She gave it away, you know, and uh, she's just a giver. You know, she just would give away anything uh, to whomever. Uh, if some of you have been at my house, and uh, my wife is like that. Uh, there was a time here she comes down. Uh, but w- we, were, we had some friends over, and uh, come to the end of the night, she's like, what can I give you? I got to give you something and uh, it was so funny the only thing she could think of and this other family they were this family there was a big family so she ran up into the closet and got this big honkin thing of toilet paper and <laughs> gave it to the woman i got to give her i got to give you something well if you're living from a constant sense of i'm full i'm going to give instead of i'm always empty and i've got to receive I'm always empty and I've got to receive. I'm always empty and I've got to receive. Well, (coughs) my my pity is on you. I feel sorry for you. But if you learn to live in unity with him, like you talked about, we we talked earlier, that unity of intimacy with him, and then there's this overflow, that's where we want to live from. And so any changes that need to happen in you, even though you may want to put them on your to-do list and say, you know, I need to be more mindful of this. And maybe you do. But you don't want to put yourself under the law. Because what the law says is that if you don't do this, you'll die. And if you don't do this, God will be mad at you. If you don't walk in love, if you don't score a 10 every time you're rating yourself on how well did you operate or walk in love, If you don't hit a 10, then God must be mad at me and, oh, darn, I messed it up again. And then you start beating yourself up. Would you cut that out? That's wrong. I'm wrong again, wrong about something else. Well, if you would move out of the judgment seat, would you just relax and realize that you are like a tree planted, by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season. And I'm just telling you what's in the seed. The fruit's coming. You may not be perfect at loving your wife. You may not be perfect at, at uh, you, you know, at, at loving and submitting to your husband and all that the scripture says here. You may not be perfect at that. I for sure am not. Okay, as I, I can get some others to te- well, I won't get anybody to testify about that, but. <laughs> But I can tell you that, yeah, I fall... The Scripture says we all stumble in many ways. This is not the law that I'm telling you. I'm telling you the DNA of your seed. So if, as I'm reading Ephesians chapter 5, if you don't fit, or if it doesn't fit you, like a, just a perfectly comfortable glove or a shoe or whatever that was just designed for you, if it doesn't fit perfectly... Don't worry, and don't beat yourself up. But on the other hand, don't disagree with it. Just realize it's the DNA in you, and you will become it. So as, as somebody teaches on Galatians 5, and 23, they think, oh, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have... No, 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 the lesson is, this is the DNA of the seed that's in you. So just watch for this fruit, it's coming. You're like a tree, it yields its fruit in season. Is this making sense? You really need to, let, you need to lift this law off of you. You can't live under the law. You were not created to live under the law. Is this making sense? We've really got to, because it says very clearly that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. And, and uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Says there is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. Well, my brother and I used to play guitar on that boat down in the city, back in 1984, and uh, that boat. What was it? It was called the Star of Chicago back then. And it's now the Odyssey. It's the big one, and the dinner cruise. So we were regulars back in 1984 on that boat, playing you know our our regular 70s music and all that kind of stuff, right? Having fun. Well, there was this one multimillionaire. He, had, he owned, like, 11 different companies, and he came and um, uh, he really liked my brother's music, and he wanted to be his manager, okay? So he he, picked, he came over one night, and he uh, took us out to Rush Street. He wanted to take us out to dinner. So he had his Rolls Royce with a Doberman pincer in the back seat. you know? <laughs> it's crazy. So we went over to Rush Street and bought three salads. cost more than $100. I was like, whoa. What is up with this? It's ridiculous. And, um, but the Lord kept telling us, minister to him. Minister the gospel to this guy. And we were timid. We were shy. And we were holding back. The Lord kept saying, minister the gospel to him. Minister. So I remember one day I was sitting in my dorm room in college. And uh, my brother calls on the phone. My roommate answers the phone. and uh, No, no, I actually, I answered the phone. My roommate was there. And uh, my brother says, Ben blew his head off. Well, right away I'm thinking, and his blood shall be on your head. And right away, my roommate says, there is therefore no, now, now no condemnation in Christ Jesus. Thank God he was there. Because mentally I could have gone into a spiral. Right? I could have eaten that thing and it would have eaten me. Is that, is that true? So, now is God happy that I didn't? No, but he forgives me. Right? If you take the scripture as law, it will cut you. But if you take it as a seed, it will grow you. Is this making sense? So we take Galatians 5, 22 and 23 and say, this is the DNA. Um, I knew my kids would be pretty as soon as I met Nancy. <laughs> it's not fair to say, but I'm just telling you, I was thinking that. And my dad had told me, hey, you know... And uh, you, you know that the, it's, it's in the seed. It's there. The DNA is there. So I'm telling you, as I'm rev- speaking this word, it's revealing to you the DNA of who you are. The DNA. So in Galatians 5, and 23, it's the DNA of who you are. When I read uh, Proverbs 31, like on Mother's Day, a couple years ago, I taught on Proverbs 31. I said, ladies, this is not a to-do list. It's just telling you what's in your DNA. You're a business owner. Multiple businesses, no problem. This is powerful, okay? So as we read uh, Ephesians chapter 5, if this doesn't fit you, the Word of God won't change, and the Spirit of God does not change. And so the Spirit of God dwelling on the inside of you He is at work to bring this about. And if you are the puzzle piece and you've gotten misformed and you don't fit into this chapter anymore, it's you that needs to change, not the Word. The Word, and the Word will change us. And the Spirit of God is at work on the inside of us to change us. This is awesome. Please be free in your heart. Be free. Is this helping you? Be free in your heart, okay? God is not mad at you. He's just, I'm not mad at my kids for not doing certain things. Hey, they're growing. It's coming. I know it's coming. All is well. I'm happy. I'm blessed. It's coming. It's fine. Are are the younger ones perfectly obedient? No, but they're getting there. It's in them. It's coming. I've got confidence. Right, Olivia? Yes, dad. (laughs) I'm playing. (laughs) Yes, dad, coming. What's in you? The seed of God is in you. The spirit of God is in you. And we conform to him. We're being transformed from the inside out. We're being transformed by the presence of his spirit in us. We are born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible seed. Okay? So, let's get into Ephesians chapter 5. You read Did I did I soften it up a little enough for you? Okay? So that we have, we have some confidence now to get into the word. Okay. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 1 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Okay. Verse 2, And walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Well, let me go back to verse 1. Follow God's example, therefore, his dearly loved children. Now, you know, you inherit some things by imitation, and you inherit some things by, by DNA. You inherit some things by uh, being around somebody, and then you have a natural tendency to want to, um, I don't know, talk like them. It was funny because one of my kids went with me on a missions trip. And they noticed when I started talking to somebody who was Spanish, even though I couldn't speak Spanish, I would talk with a Spanish accent. (laughs) That's foolish. But it happened naturally for me over and over again. And I wasn't intending to. It just happened. Okay? (laughs) So we inherit some things by imitation. Okay? I noticed uh, sometimes the way I laid down uh, on on the uh, on a couch or lay down on my side, and I remember, I remember my father laying down like that. As a matter of fact, almost every night after dinner, he would lay down on the couch and he would say, "Hey, go grab me a coat and throw it over me, you know." And he said, "Grab one for my feet too, you know." Mm-hmm. He said that hundreds of times. Okay, and he would take a quick nap and uh, and then he'd be up for the evening and up and about. Um, but I remember those things, and and we pick up things by being around people. I don't know if you've noticed this, but every person on this front row from here over has all has their right leg over their left leg. It's okay. You're left-handed. <laughs> watch this. As you're in a meeting sometime, watch what happens. Just be observant. Every once in a while, notice that you are sitting in the exact same posture and position as the other person in the room. Go ahead and be observant. I've seen it thousands of times. You pick up things, okay? You pick up things, and it's okay. But we pick up things by imitation, all right? Um, My siblings, when when, when they have visited the church or seen me preach... They said, You look just like Daniel, just like my dad used to when he would present, when he would be up talking in front of a group. They said, You just look just like him. And um, I never saw my dad present that much. So I think some of that's genetic. But follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Not legalistically, but because you're a son. Look at verse one. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Don't do it legalistically. Do it because you want to be like your daddy. Do you know my daughter Natalie, well, I don't know what age she was, but at one point she decided that no matter what food I liked, she liked it. Even if she hadn't tasted it, if daddy liked it, she liked it. So You pick up some things by imitation. And... Um, So follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Dearly loved. I'll say this you know, dearly loved children do not have, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, Insecure, thank you, insecurities. They don't have insecurities because they're completely loved and they know it. All is well. I'm fine. Praise the Lord. Verse 2, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. And now, if you were to actually read that verse and not pass over it and think, okay, I, I, I read it, I'm fine. No, <laughs> it's like you just said, yeah, I just stepped on a landmine and I'm fine. No, you got to let this thing blow up on you you got to let this word blow up. Um, how many here have ever bitten into a clove of raw garlic? Raise your hand if you've ever bitten a clove of raw garlic. Okay, so that, as far as I'm concerned, is the definition of potential. <laughs> you got potential, but nobody ever took a bite of you. Nobody ever put enough pressure on you to get out what's really in there. Okay? Uh, a garlic. My goodness, what is released from a garlic? Whew. Dear God. It is painful. What's that? When it's crushed. When it's... Crushed. When it's... Oh, yeah. When If you cook garlic whole. It releases it. Yeah. When you smash it. So the release of that, um, let's let's smash this verse, verse 2, for a second. Not too long, because we we got a long way to go, right? And walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave him, how did he love us? He gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and a sacrifice to God. Uh, you, 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 want, you want me to do that? Oh, before the end of the chapter, you're, you're, you're done. You're toast, buddy. <laughs> yeah, every husband in here, right? <laughs> before this chapter's over, oh, you're, you're going to give your whole life. You're going to lay it all down completely, okay? Um, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Do you know James Dobson, his father... When James was young, his father uh, was an itinerant preacher, going around traveling, and his ministry was finally, really taking off, and he had invitations all over the place. And he got a call from his wife and says, "Honey, James is disobeying. he's been disrespectful and dishonoring." She said, "I think he needs his father." So his father canceled right at the peak of his ministry. He canceled his meetings to come home to pour into his son. And then after he got things straightened out at home, he went back out and there was no desire for him. There was no draw to have him come. Sacrificed his life for his son. But now look at his son. And if if you're familiar with Focus on the Family and the powerful, uh, the power of that ministry, what it has accomplished over the last 40 years, I guess, 40 or 50 years. So, men, laying your life down for your children or your family could be quite valuable, could be more effective than you just doing it all on your own. Verse 3. But among you there must not even not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. Okay? Let me just say this. Do you guys know how often I am tempted? To do drugs I am never tempted to do drugs I am I, I'm never it's I'm sorry I just yeah. it's it's, it's not there there's I, I don't hang around people that do drugs I unless some of you well no <laughs> um but I don't have any sources. I don't. Uh, I don't really know anything about it. That might. Mean, I mean, you read a little bit here and there, and you hear stuff. But I have no desire for that. I'm dead to it. I'm dead to it. Not even on my radar. Okay, you could take a bag of. Well, I don't know, whatever, something expensive. Wave it in front of me, and I'm like. No pull here, <laughs> no pull. <laughs> Me and Pastor Winston, back when we were going, in 2003, we were going to India, and we had to go through the Dubai airport. So we had to walk from one terminal to the next, and we were walking through the Dubai airport, it's just like a car showroom. Very, very extraordinarily expensive cars, like, you know, the $300,000, $500,000 types. And, boy, every single time, Pastor was looking at these cars I said, "You really like that stuff, huh?" He said, "I I I appreciate fine craftsmanship." I said, "That's awesome." I said, "This thing, this stuff has no pull on me." (laughs) You know, I I I, I just it doesn't do anything for me. Um, I mean, you cannot put a family in a Lamborghini. (laughs) You know, it just doesn't fit. Um, Where's your Where's your priorities? Uh, but among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. What is this telling you? It, it is saying don't do that, but it is also saying, this is, you know, this is not in your DNA. In my family, we would say that's not what Barlows do. And in this family, I would say, That's not what Christians do. Welcome to the family. You're in the family. Our DNA doesn't have that problem. Okay? Um, Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather Thanksgiving. You know, some, some jokes and stuff are funny. For me, honestly, and let's just give a little word of warning, I have zero tolerance for practical jokes. Other jokes are great, but for practical jokes, I have zero tolerance. Because for practical jokes, you always somebody always has to lie. They have to lie to me. Ah, sorry, I'm too vulnerable for that. I'm too gullible, because I'm what they call a believer. <laughs> and believers believe. And so I'm way too... Susceptible. Now, I'm sorry to ruin your fun, but but practical jokes are, and my kids all know it. Don't do practical jokes. <laughs> it's not it's not fun. It's not funny, uh, for me, because of the lying aspect of it. I just can't do it. Okay, and um, but among you there must not, e- or it says, nor should there be any obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. Um, I think that God is the one that invented humor. You know? Uh, I would, you'd probably have some chagrin in me saying that I do believe God is the one who invented dad jokes. (laughs) You know? (laughs) But uh, we'll see. We'll find out when we get there, okay? Um, But uh, things that deride other people are not good. And it's not part of who we are, it's not our DNA. So let's not get involved. It's just easy to say no when you don't want to. Um, For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Okay? Now, are you going to lose your salvation over telling an off-color joke? I don't think so. The way you don't get salvation is through, the way you don't get into God's, into heaven, is by not believing in Jesus Christ, right? Um, However, the person who has this in their DNA, they just need to get saved. Now, again, if you look at that and say, wait a second, I know I'm saved, but I also like to do this, this, and this. Okay, well, just like everybody else in this room, God's got some work to do on you to fit you into the puzzle piece, into the right place for, to get you to line up with your DNA. okay? I've told this story before and I'm, uh, but when the, the Nancy was working at a doctor's office and the girl, uh, the daughter of the head nurse, uh, got her feet smashed in a car accident. And um, so Nancy and the doctor said she'll never walk again and her wedding was only like three months away. And the doctor said she would never walk again. And Nancy said to this lady, uh, the mother, said, you should have my husband come and pray for her. And so they invited the whole family over for dinner. And I remember exactly where I was, because we used to live north of North Avenue, uh, just north of where Kai's Restaurant is, a couple blocks north there. And we would pull out that street and then do the little loop around right in front of Kai's and head head east. As soon as I made that little loop around right in front of Kai's Restaurant, the Lord spoke to me. It was exactly right there. And he said, tell her DNA, or no, tell her body to line up with her DNA. Tell her body to obey her DNA. And as, as, and, and do you know that when we got there and I laid hands on her and prayed for her feet, nothing happened as far as I know. We didn't see anything happen. We had a great evening of dinner, fellowship, and talking. It was great. And then when I prayed for her, there was no instant miracle. But I did tell her body to line up with its DNA. Well, what does the DNA say? The DNA said that her feet were straight. And the DNA said that her bones were fixed and everything was working correctly. The entire roadmap. map, of how she was created, was written in her DNA. And so when I spoke to her body to obey the DNA, within two and a half months, whatever, she was walking. And she was able to walk down the aisle at her wedding. Well, we have to listen to God. But in the same way, here, when it says... um, uh, that all these things, you know, there should be no obscenity, no sexual immorality, all these things. Listen, just tell your soul to line up with your DNA. Your DNA says you don't have this in you. Your DNA is the new creature. Your DNA is God himself indwelling you. And as God is indwelling you, there's, no, there's not going to be any sexual impurity coming out of you because there's none in there. If we learn how to live by the Spirit of God dwelling in us, then life is going to be coming out of us. The good stuff's going to come out, not the negative garbage. For of this, verse 5, Ephesians 5:5, for of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Once again, if that's what your problem is, you should get saved. You should get born again, okay? Now, can sin linger? Well, there's not, not much that makes it through that new birth. But what about the tendencies? What about the habits you learned? What about things that are in your physical DNA that were impurities that were passed down from your generations? What about that? Yeah, we can, we can, we can fix all that. that. That can all be fixed. It can all draw into alignment with perfection, okay? You can speak to your own DNA and say, Lord, whatever code's wrong in there, Lord, I ask you to fix it. If my DNA is wrong, fix my DNA, okay? Verse six, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. So you go hang around with the wrong folk, your your soul is going to be swayed in the wrong direction. And you are a living, breathing, copying, imitating individual. (laughs) And just like we had four people all in the front row here, all sitting in the exact same posture with their, their right leg crossed over their left a few moments ago, the same way, when you go hang out with some people who are walking in deeds of darkness, you're going you're to take that same pose. You're going to imitate because you are an imitator. Naturally, you are an imitator. Verse 8. For you once were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Verse 10, and find out what pleases the Lord. You know, that's that's similar to saying, you should find out what's in your genetics. Like, you know, if you were a young kid in school and you found out that your daddy and your granddaddy and your great granddaddy could all run a four-minute mile (laughs) You should have some hope. There's hope for me. Uh, we were down talking to my uncle, or Nancy's uncle, years ago, and uh, talking about my mom, and my grandmother was passing at the time. And uh, she was, she was uh, about 96 years old. He said, you already won half the battle, as far as age is concerned. He said, because you got it in your genes. If she's 96... You're already winning the battle because it's already in you, okay? Find out what pleases the Lord. You being you is what pleases the Lord. You being you, how God created you. That's why behind that screen it says it has our church vision, right? And it says uh, the center of it is to empower you to fulfill your highest calling in Christ, that's the church's vision. Find out what pleases the Lord. I will tell you this. Well, you, you might have seen the movie uh, Chariots of Fire. So the guy says, when I run, I feel the pleasure of God. Well, I can tell you this. I was sitting in my, uh, we had a prayer room at one point, and I was sitting in there playing my, my nylon string guitar. It was night, It was later evening. And I had the lights off in there. I was just playing my guitar. Real peaceful. And I have to tell you, honestly, I could feel the pleasure of God. As I was just playing my guitar for him. I could feel the pleasure of God. So find out what pleases the Lord. You know, there's been several people recently that have had to go um, and kind of reschedule their life and go take care of one of their parents. That was aging or passing, or you know, coming close to, you know. And in each situation, I have spoken to them. I said, "I want to let you know. You are in the center of God's will. As you reach out and help your mother or father in their uh, final chapters of their life, you are ple- You are in the." Heart of God's will. You are in the center of God's will for your life. Don't have any doubt about it. Find out what pleases the Lord. Verse 11, have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. Uh, You see that phrase, rather expose them? Remember, sin likes darkness. It doesn't like the light. When Nancy, can I share this? So back when uh, Nancy came out of bulimia, back before we were married, And she found that if she started having the thoughts about going out and binging, she found out that if she would tell me, all of a sudden the temptation would evaporate. Sin does not like light. Sin likes darkness. So it says expose it. (laughs) That's awesome. Every time she would say, I think I'm going to, I'm, I'm thinking about stopping at the store. All of a sudden, the temptation, it would be gone. And she would make it back home without, without uh, stepping into sin. Okay? Um, verse 12, it is shameful even to mention what the disobedient do in secret. Okay? That's just a good verse to hold on to. You know, it's a good way to live. You don't need to be talking about other people's sins. Uh, because there can be a trap in the middle of that for the person who's listening. Okay? But everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. Ooh. Everything that is exposed by the light becomes visible. That's a really good thing. But everything that is illuminated becomes a light, which means you become a light. You, are shining like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life, as it says in Philippians 2, right? You shine like stars in the universe as you hold forth the word of God. Um, and I, I I was meeting with a couple on uh, via telephone, doing some marriage counseling via telephone the other day, and uh, I said, next week let's meet in person. And... My thought was, you know, if there's anything going on, any spiritual stuff going on, you know what I'm saying. Yeah, I'm saying. Uh, in other words, if there's any demons hiding anywhere, they start to wiggle when you get in their presence. You can start to tell. Ah, there we go. We're starting to get an agitation. And, and um, it's like, oh, they start to wiggle. Oh, they start getting uncomfortable. And then you can deal with it. You see what I'm saying? Uh, so that's the light because we are light, and, and uh, that's us being luminescent. We are shining, and it's causing the darkness to get uncomfortable. All right, so verse 14, this is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Verse 15, be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Okay? This is why we all need to examine, are we really using our time wisely? Uh, God, help me. According to this verse, Lord, uh, Lord, help me to make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. In other words, the days themselves are trying to destroy what what you're trying to do. But you you can rise up above that. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Verse 17, therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. If you understand what the Lord's will is, you're not foolish. If you don't understand what the Lord's will is, then you could be classified as foolish. Pretty simple. I'm just taking you through one step at a time. Now, verse 18 says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Okay? Now, this is really cool because you could also translate this verse in verse 18 where it says, do not be drunk on wine which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the Spirit. It could say, it could be translated this way, be drunk, but not with wine. Be drunk, but not with wine, because that leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. It says in chapter 13 of 1 of, of, uh, Corinthians, it says we've all been given the same Spirit, same spirit to drink. Um, it talks about the new wine. You, you don't put new wine into old wineskins. That's why you had to get born again before you could receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because you can't put the Holy Spirit into an old wineskin. You can't put the Holy Spirit into an unregenerate man. That's an old wineskin. That thing will burst. He wants a fresh new wineskin, which is the new man, the new creation. You're brand new in Jesus Christ and then you fill it with the Holy Spirit and he begins to expand and that wine, in a sense, begins to ferment, take on a life of its own, has healing properties, has mind-altering properties, right? The Spirit of God wants to transform you. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Do not, or, or again, it could say, be drunk, But not with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, see where the phrase says be filled with the Holy Spirit? They don't have a proper translation of that in English because the the phrase be filled there is like present continuous. So it's be being filled on a continual basis. In other words, You turn the water faucet on in the bathtub. Well, don't do this in the natural. But you know how if you turn it on and you leave it on and it starts to overflow? That's exactly what this is saying. Turn it on and don't turn it off. Well, how do you do that? Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. That is how you keep the faucet turned on. That is how you be being filled with the Holy Spirit. Joe, what does this have to do with family? Everything. (laughs) Everything. What does this have to do with marriage? Everything. Because this is you becoming you. This is you becoming God's recipe of you. You see that? You becoming God's recipe of you is the right size and shape of puzzle piece to fit exactly where you fit. Okay? So, do not be drunk with wine, or go ahead and be drunk but not with wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, be being filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, let's use this as a context and don't change the context for the next few verses are you ready in other words imagine this you're drunk but not with wine now back when i was a freshman in college okay even though i was leading a bible study on the wednesday nights at school sometimes me and my buddies would be over in the dorm room and after you know Toward the end of the school day, we would have a few sips of something. And then we would stagger over to the mess hall, to the the cafeteria, to get our food. And we would be laughing really loud and staggering over to dinner. Now, by senior year, I would say we got a little bit more sanctified. Okay? And we were way heavy into the spirit and way heavy into the word. And we were just really into it. And so, after, you know, towards the end of the school, you know, like before dinner, we'd be over in the dorm room, we'd be praying in the Holy Ghost, worshiping God, and we'd start laughing and having fun. And then you'd see us walking over to the cafeteria, and we were staggering and laughing and being really loud. Same picture. One, you're filled with the Spirit, one, you're filled with spirits. (laughs) Right? Okay, both of them are mind altering. Both of them will make you happy, okay? Um, but imagine this like a cloud, like the atmosphere of happiness and joy, and, you know, you're drunk in the spirit. You're, you're, you're speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. I don't know if everybody here has experienced that, but um, it's pretty cool. <laughs> Let's just, maybe we'll save that for another time, I guess. Uh, But there's a lot of joy when this gushing is coming out of your spirit. It's just you're really, really happy. You are very happy. Okay? As a matter of fact, I said to somebody the other day, yeah, I was ministering to somebody on the phone the other day. I said, do you know that you could be on this earth as happy and content as you will be in heaven? That's a little mind-blowing. Let me let that sink in for a second, okay? You have the capability, you have the capacity as a born-again, spirit-filled child of God, you have the capacity to be as happy and content now here in this earth as you will be in heaven. Oh, but up there, we'll be like totally one with God. You're totally one with God right now. But we'll be in the presence of God' you're in the presence of God right now. You have the capacity to be as happy as heaven right now. okay? So imagine this cloud of you know, like as if it was a cloud in your home with your spouse and you guys are are singing and making music to the Lord, you're singing a new song and Nancy loves walking around. She comes up with these songs and, uh, you know, hey, I came up with a new song and uh, starts singing it. You know, she had a discussion or whatever with one of her siblings and she came out of the shower and she goes, I got a song. Goes, I'm not defeated because the devil is under my feet, my feet, my feet, my feet. I'm not defeated because the devil is under my feet, my feet, my feet. I said, amen. That's good. That's a song of deliverance. And it made her happy. and It made me happy. And it just put a smile on some of your faces. Okay? So right there, I was speaking to you with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Right? And that came up out of the spirit because it was a deliverance for her. Okay? And... So as we get this flow coming up out of our spirit and that becomes normal, can you imagine it being normal? Well, it was normal for me and my buddies to stagger over to dinner. It was normal for people to see us, and there, there they go. They're, they're staggering and joking and laughing and you know, hooping and hollering and whatever. That was normal. Okay, so why, why couldn't it be normal for you and your spouse to be so happy that you love each other so much and you're so full of God and you're so convinced of his love for you that you got this, in a sense, atmosphere, this cloud. Remember, remember Pigpen, right? <laughs> it's always got this cloud around him. Well, you know what they accused me of when I was little? They said, Joseph, you live in a bubble You live like nothing seems to touch you, okay? So, based on this context of being drunk but not with wine, singing psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What? What? Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What what does that have to do? No, this is what's going to come out of this cloud of being filled with the Spirit. Okay? And submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, verse 21. That's talking about the body of Christ there. Everybody. The context there is everybody. Submit to one another, Right? Um, when I call Roger on the phone, we're talking a little bit, and uh, he has something to say that is full of wisdom for me, what do I do when I hear him say something that's an answer for me and it's wisdom? I get under it. Always remember, the anointing is gravity-fed. Always, an- always remember, Psalm 133, the anointing is gravity-fed. Remember, it says where the, you know, it says, how good and pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. For there the Lord commands his blessing, even life forevermore. It is like the precious oil poured down on Aaron's head. And then it comes down onto his beard and then onto the collar and then on down to the hem of his garment. So remember that the anointing flows down. Right? And if you want what somebody else has got. You got to get under them. You got to submit to them. Now, Nancy, she took vows at our marriage. And when she took vows, you know, for us to love each other and do what it says here in, in this chapter, she came under my name. She got the Barlow name. Okay? Well, is that fair? Listen. Just yield. Okay, just listen. Okay. She came under do you know she also got everything that's in my bank account? Now, granted, it wasn't a lot, but she still gets everything that's in my bank account. Okay, there was some joke the other day. Maybe Roger, you told me. Uh, I don't know, but uh, if a wife if a woman has has $10 and and there's the husband in his bank has you know, bank account has 50. How many dollars does she have? She has 22. (laughs) She has the whole sum. You know, the scripture says that we are more than conquerors, right? Well, Jesus is the conqueror. Well, once again, for those who haven't heard it, you know, you you see the prize fighter, you know, the, the heavyweight title. You know, he goes and fights and he wins the title. And they give him the purse, all the money that he just won from that title fight. He's the champion. He's the conqueror. He comes home. And there's his wife. And he just puts all that money in her hand and she's more than a conqueror. Because she got all the money didn't have to fight. You see what I'm saying? So more than a conqueror, that's that wife position. Okay? Um, But here, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Glory. (laughs) Yeah, right. But if you want... In in order for me to get what was on Bill Winston's life, I had to get under his ministry. And I had to stay there until it was complete. Okay? You know when the airplane comes up behind, you know when they're doing a mid-air fuel refueling? And that that fighter fighter jet is behind the big tanker plane, they put the thing down. He has to stay in position until he gets filled up. I had to stay in position under Bill Winston until I got what God had sent me to get. Okay? Um, when I was under our old pastor, I was there for 19 and a half years. And I knew I was there to receive. And I sat in, I mean, we did four services a week. So just like you're sitting here for four services a week, along with me leading worship for about 20 to 40 minutes in each service. Okay, for not, well, did that for 13 years. But I was under his ministry because what was on him, I knew I needed. It had to come upon me. Um, so then uh, this one guy came along and prophesied over me. He said, man, he said, son, you've just hung out here. And he said, there's such amazing pastors here. And he said, that pastoral gifting has just come down upon you. The anointing is gravity-fed. Had another friend who came to this church, and he said, man, it's so easy to prophesy here. Why? Because it's pouring down, because it's easy for me to prophesy, okay? It's pouring down. So whatever gifts are in me, if you need them, hang around. (laughs) You know, just hang around and keep doing whatever you can. And let that gift come upon you. And as that gift, it, and let it get activated. Whatever it is, let it get activated. That's how it was with me playing guitar. I watched my older brothers and sisters play, and I said, I can do this. I can do, I know I can do this. And then um, uh, I begged my dad for a guitar, and then I started playing. And then finally I surpassed all my brothers and sisters. You know, I learned everything they could teach me. I used to watch this guy named Dave, Dave Duell. He was an evangelist. He would come to town every year. For 14 years, he came every year in January for a full week of meetings. And I would watch him over and over again. And I would see how he would minister to people. And I would say, I can do that. I know I can do that. I can see myself doing it. I have done these things in many other situations. I'm like, I know I can do this. And... Um, He would just close his eyes and God would show him things. you know. And he would be right. When Juliana was in the womb, so here we had all six kids up there and he was praying over all six of them and then Juliana was in the womb. Nancy and I knew for sure and without a doubt that there was a boy in the womb. And Dave says, you want me to tell you what it is? He said, the Lord will show me. He's standing there up in front of the whole church. And he says, It's a little girl. I thought, oh, I didn't say it out loud, but I thought, Oh God, Dave, you missed it. And then here comes Juliana. And boy, we're blessed. Submit to one another, get under the anointing so it can come on you. I watched Dave well minister like that for year after year after year. And I got, I submitted myself to it. Now, there were some things he did that I didn't like and that were wrong. But I didn't disqualify him. I waited. I didn't drink at all. I just realized I can't take that, but this I want. Okay? I wouldn't say you can always spit out the bones because sometimes bones get stuck in your throat. Um, but... I was able to receive from him when I saw that Dave was the last guy in the church and they had to close the lights off in order to get him to leave because he was praying for every last person. And that takes a lot of love. And when I saw that happening, I thought, okay, I'm going to keep receiving from him because I for sure don't have that much love, (laughs) you know, and so I need to keep receiving. Well, get under the anointings that you want to receive from, because they'll flow down. Well, the Scripture here says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, let's look at the word Christ there. What does the word Christ mean? It means, it could mean Jesus, but it doesn't say Jesus. It says Christ, okay? So if it says Christ, that means the anointed one or his anointing. Okay? So if it means his anointing, then if I submit to you out of reverence for the anointing that's on you, because I want some, I, you see what I'm saying? You get under What do they say? You get under the spout where the glory comes out. You want to get under the anointings that you want to receive. Just do it. Get get under and serve with all your heart. Well, that's what this says here. Submit. Submit, of course, means, you know, it comes from the word submission, which means come under the mission of another. Sub, under, mission. Get under their mission. Yield to them. Get under, And it says, do it to each other. Again, this is in the context so far in this chapter of the full body of Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Now, um, so you submit or you come under, you yield to, the word submit means yield to. It could mean obey. But, there's a stronger Greek word for obey. This word is hubotaso. the word for obey, like children obey your parents, that's hubokuo. It's a, different, uh, it's a much stronger, hey, do it type of thing. That's not what this is. Submission here is submit out of honor, out of love, and hey. I, and so for me, when God said uh, about Pastor Winston, he said, um, whatever he says, do it. John chapter 2, verse 5, whatever he says, do it. It was so easy for me because I loved the guy. I wanted the anointing that's on his life. Okay? I want the anointing that's on his life. And um, so it was easy for me. No matter what he told me, he just said, yes, sir. Went ahead and did it. That was enormously powerful for me. Why? Because I was coming out of a situation where in my life, because of the way that God gifted me to play the guitar, I would get compliments all the time. Because of the way I played piano, I could play all the latest hits. When I was a freshman, all the senior football players would hang out, hang around me. What does that do to your head? When I would play guitar in the school, the whole school would stand up and applaud. 800 kids standing up and applauding for me. And then when I'm walking down the the hallway at school, Joe, that was amazing. Joe, that was awesome. Over hundreds of times a day. Hundreds, literally, times a day that would happen to me. And so what could that do to you? So I was in a situation. I, well, I was just writing in my journal one morning. This was back in uh, 2000. No, this was back in 1999, um, before Y2K, right? And um, so in February of 1999, it was probably the 27th in there, some, somewhere in that range, and in my journal the Lord says to me, I want to do something in you. Can I? I was like, sure. And I was like, well, as long as I know it's you. And he said, well, there will be times when you're going to have to take it by faith that it's me. So um, a couple months later, I was working at the time as a Microsoft certified trainer. I would travel around the country and teach programming classes. Okay, it was great. I loved it. Um, and then the, uh, and then my brother called me. He said, hey, this friend of mine, well, I, I, well first of all, I started getting this itch to get back into management because at this time I was just training. I was just teaching classes. But I had been in management before and I had just started to get the itch to get back in management. So then my brother calls me. He says, hey, my friend's got a company and he's looking for a COO. Uh, it's a finance company or whatever. And uh So we talked a little bit, and then a couple days later, my brother called me back. He said, did you think any more about that job? I said, yeah. I said, it's mine. I said, I know that it's mine. I I know for sure that job is mine. Now, I had no finance industry experience. I mean, zero, okay? And this was a $250 million hedge fund at the time. So they had hired a guy in from New York to help them do the recruiting and, and hiring. So I went into this interview, and it was it was embarrassing, you know? I mean, some of the, like, what's a mutual fund? <laughs> he had to even ask me, do you know what a mutual fund is? I said, yeah, that's when a bunch of people put their money together and get a higher return. That's literally what I said. That was so, I mean, that's literally. <laughs> <laughs> when I walked out of there, the, the guy said, this guy from New York, this bigwig from New York that they hired in to help hire this position. He said, listen, if I'd have been in on, the, in- on the, uh, the upfront process, he said, this guy wouldn't even have had an interview. But they gave me a list of 21 things. And they said, uh, of these 21 things, what can you do? I said, I know for sure I can do 18 of them, but there's three of them that I'm, I'm not equipped to do. I said, this one, this one, this one. So anyway... I walked out of that interview, just trust in the Lord, because I knew in my heart that it was my job. And um, so anyway, the next morning the boss called. They said, "Well, we'll, he, we'll get back to you next week sometime." Well, the boss calls me the next morning. He said, "Joe, what'd you think of that interview?" I said, "I said, Ed, it doesn't matter what I thought of that interview. What'd you think of the interview?" <laughs> he said, "Well, Joe, in some ways you were the worst qualified." He said, "But when, when it came to character and integrity, he said you stood." head and shoulders above the rest. And he said, that means something to me. He said, how about if I give you 30, er, give you 90 days to prove that you can do this? You said you could do 18 of those 21 things. How about if I give you 90 days to prove it? I said, that'd be fine. And so he named the salary. I said, well, that's what I'm making now. And so he just bumped it another 10,000. I said, how about that? I was, okay. And, uh, and I said, well, I'm going to need a car. And he said, okay, just go pick one out. Um, so Anyway, for the next eight months, that job was like a honeymoon. This guy thought I walked on water. I mean, every single thing I did, this guy thought I was like amazing. And then, and so here the Lord had said, I want to do something in you, can I? Well, come August, we hired this woman in, and she started, she wrote a letter to the boss. And started spreading things all around the office about me. And um, it, it changed my boss's heart towards me. We went from talking for about 15 hours a week to talking about 15 minutes a week. His heart shut down on me completely. And then the Lord says to me, you can't do anything to try to save your job. He said, you just be faithful to him and serve him. And anything he asks you to do, you do it. Wow, that's really fun. I was, cru- I mean, every day I would come home crushed. And there'd be Nancy. She'd get all the kids running up to the door. Joe, Joe, he's our man. If he can't do it, nobody can. She literally would cheer for me. She knew I was really, really going through it. But that, and finally the boss decided to, to lay me off. And, um, and once I, 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 I had gone for something that I shouldn't have gone for, Which didn't materialize, but because I left for a job, I didn't get the six-month severance that he promised me. This was like a trip underneath a steamroller. I'm sure no one here has ever done that, but you could imagine—you know how they put the thing on vibrate and it starts really squishing it down. You take two or three trips with that steamroller over you; it's going to get everything out of you. And that's what this was like. What was God going after? pride the years of Joe that was amazing Joe that was awesome because in order for me to to yield and submit to the image of Christ and to come up under the image of Christ I had to be transformed and God knew I could not do this on my own now there was no physical harm in it there was no sickness or disease involved it was simply God was taking me through this process, put, putting me through the planer, you know, putting me through the, the machine that was just getting it all out. So then I come up under Bill Winston, and then it's like a crushing, almost experience. In the first, my first year there, I went for my annual review. Joe, this, hey, Joe is awesome. He said Every, everything's great. Second year, I, came, I went in for my annual review. He says, Joe, you know how when you come into a meeting, and he said, you have all the answers. He said, that's an insecurity, and you need to get it out of you. And he had really pinned me down on several issues that were real weaknesses in me. I literally, on the way back from his office to my office, had to go hide out in one of the classrooms until my face came back to normal because he was reading it to me and he had gotten it right out of the Holy Ghost but he wasn't afraid to tell me the truth and he told me the truth but I submitted to it because I was yielded to God and because I was yielded to God God was able to do something in me that he never would have been able to do and so when I say submit to one another out of reverence for Christ I want to tell you that for me the word submission is one of the most happy words in the Bible because once again I love being number two man because somebody else is in charge and they run everything and I just have to stand behind them catching all the wake it was easy being number two for Pastor Winston it was easy when he said you know I'm going to be out of town, you take the service. Yes, sir, no problem. It was easy, All I, because I just stayed submitted. You know, back when I was leading worship at our old church, one day the pastor was going to be gone, and I thought, oh, this is great, because I'm going to be able to take my tie off. I hate wearing a tie. And the Lord said, you will not. And he reminded me of when the shepherd plants his staff all the sheep come up to the staff and the shepherd can walk away because all the sheep will stay right staring at the staff. And as long as I was the st- on staff, I had to stay in position and not change it for myself. That's good. That's good. Does this make sense? It only comes out of a root of pride to want to do those things. Okay? So I understand when, it, when we talk about submission... This submission is a happy word for me very happy it's a life filled word because just like in Psalm 133 where the anointing comes down man there are so many blessings man when I'll tell you this when when I left living word I sat down with pastor Winston, had a final meeting before we left and he goes I want to tell you that I was very honored that you came to this church it's like <laughs> What? I I mean, I felt like so honored that I could even be involved in that church. And he said, no, I felt very honored that you would come. I was blown away by that. Then he goes, you need to go get some, you need to go get a couple good preaching suits. And he writes me a personal check. This is not a suit, by the way. (laughs) I took my tie off many years ago. And I just, uh, I believe it was a, a different situation doesn't have to do with that but this but this submission thing see in the next see if if everybody did up to verse 21 every single marriage would be just fine every single marriage submit to one another out of reverence for Christ perfect beautiful now however do you know that the bible translators put right in the middle look at this see the big letters here Wives and husbands. It says it right after verse 21. and Because it, it then says, Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Well, now, we got the, now the boxing match has started. Okay? Now this is where uh, we get into husbands and wives. Well, the Bible translators put that in there. Do you know that in verse 21 it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ? In verse 22, it says, Wives, submit submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Do you know the word submit is not even in verse 22. If you look in the King James Bible, the word submit where it says wives submit, it's in italics, which means it's not in the original. It's inferred from the previous verse. Okay? So, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, Wives unto your husbands as unto the Lord. Oh, man, it still does say wives, basically. It infers wives submit to your husbands. Um, Now, it would be awesome if everybody did everything just as a team and everything, you know, everybody did their part, which we all are supposed to do. But do you know even your body has a head? And do you know that even a team has a quarterback? I mean, a football team has a quarterback. uh, A basketball team has a a point guard who's calling out all the shots and telling everybody what to do. And everybody, if they don't submit to the lead, they don't get to play the next game. If If the center is told, snap on three, and he snaps on two, he doesn't get to play the next game. If he decides that he's going to do it his way, he doesn't get to play the next game. So what's going on there? Well, the Lord's saying that wives submit to your husbands. Do you know that it's going to take, hopefully it doesn't take to get the pride out of you. Hopefully it doesn't take what it took God to get the pride out of me. That trip under the steamroller, that that having to manage uh, a five, we went from 250 million to 550 million in the time that I was there. I would drive to the bank with four or five million dollars in my pocket, literally. I was a signatory on an, a bank account that had 25 million dollars in it, and he trusted me with good reason. I said, Lord, why did you put me in this place? Why did you put me in this job? He said, son, I needed a faithful man there. I said, well, the faithful thing I could do, but this finance stuff, I don't really know. I don't have a clue about it. Okay? But I did, I did not drop the ball in that full year and a half that I was there. He's, and even my boss said to me when he was letting me go, you didn't do anything wrong. That's what he said to me, you didn't do anything wrong. What a testimony. Okay? But pride will malform you. If you if this verse doesn't fit, if any verse in the scripture doesn't fit, it's not the scripture that's malformed. It's you. But once again, tell your soul, line up with your DNA. What is your DNA? Your DNA is wivesmith, your husband's. Well, my husband's not worthy to be submitted to. That's That has nothing to do with it. That's not what this says. My husband's a jerk. It doesn't matter. That's not what this says. You submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. Well, now we found the problem. (laughs) Because if she's submitting to her husband like she is to the Lord, and she's not submitting to either of them. Because if she's got a problem with submitting to her husband, she honestly has a problem submitting to the Lord. Because if this is his will, well, but that brings up some, yeah, it brings up a lot of questions and a lot of problems and a lot of hurt feelings. This doesn't say submit to your husband if he is a godly man. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say submit to your husband if he's providing well for you and if he's nice to you. It doesn't say that. It says, submit to him. Wives, submit to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Man, Well, look how disobedient the church is. Ladies, you're doing fine (laughs) if you're you're doing it just as much as the church is to Jesus. The church is quite disobedient, quite unsubmissive. But that's not the plan. That's not the plan. The plan is that we all yield. Now, once again, please let me tell you this and reiterate what I said at the beginning. Do not take this as law. This is not the law. This is your DNA. So the, more, the closer you come to Jesus, the more conformed you will be to this word. And if you're not conformed to this world, don't feel condemned. If you've got, you got a serious problem with submitting to your husband, don't feel condemned. Say, Lord, I, you're going to have to help me. You're going to have to fix me. Whatever you want to do in me, you better make it right because I need help. Because I obviously cannot do this on my own. But Lord, if this is truly your will, I'm willing to be made willing. I'm willing to have you work on me. Because if this is the optimum way, if this is the best way, sign me up. How did you get born again? You believed and you said with your mouth, Jesus, you are what? Lord. Lord means boss. He means in charge. Means you're gonna. When God came and asked me, He said, asked me to do something, he said, are you willing to do this? I said, Lord, wait a second. I signed up for this. I, I, you know, I made you the Lord of my life. When I declared Jesus, you are Lord, I mean, that that should have settled this. Here you're asking me if I'm willing to do something. The answer is obviously yes, you are Lord. I'm willing to do it. Should be It should be our answer. Now, the wife, the problem with women often is they are so capable and so strong. And literally, most of the time, and it's been proven, they can run things by themselves. And quite well. And most often, they make better decisions than the husbands. Well, there you go back to verse twenty-one, and it says, "Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ." Okay, I don't want to tell Nancy what she, you know, what kind of clothes to get the girls or something like that. I don't know a thing about that stuff. I can't claim to have any anointing in that area. You understand? I need to submit to my wife in those things, okay? When it, when it comes to, hey, what's for dinner, you know, sometimes it's yo-yo. That means you're on your own. <laughs> you know, whatever you make, that's what you're having. <laughs> um, uh, but, but still, like this morning, I was sitting down having my Bible time. And the girls had already, had already left for school She's like, hey, would you like me to make you a breakfast? I said, that would be wonderful. I'd love it. She made me the most amazing breakfast. I can't wait to have it another time. Uh, it was awesome. And she goes, is that as good as a restaurant? I said, no. I is way better. This was, you couldn't get that in any restaurant. It was awesome. And uh, so I had to just submit and let her make the breakfast. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to yield to her giftedness, okay? Well, I'll tell you this. There are gifts in all of you, and we need to submit to you in those giftedness, in those gifts. We need to submit to you, okay? Um, Man, when it comes to leading worship, I want to submit to Kenny. I mean, I just love, you know, I'll call Kenny. Hey, who do you got for electric guitar this weekend? You know, and he'll say, Oh, I got this person, that person. And he said, oh, you, if you can. i like, I'll, I'll submit to that. I'll get up under that. you know." But when I'm up here on stage, he is the leader, and I must submit to him. But he, at the same time, knows that I'm the pastor, and so his heart is submitted to me. So we're submitted to one another out of love and reverence for each other's anointings. And honestly, it's a beautiful thing. But I will do what he tells me. When I'm on that worship team, I, it, you know, I'm just yes, sir. <laughs> you know, we'll we'll do it, right? Because he's in charge. Now I put him in charge, but still he's in charge, and I have a responsibility to lead by following. And moms, wives, you have a responsibility to lead by following. If you wonder why your kids are disobedient, you might want to check your own submission. It, what, are you, what are you leading in? You're the first follower. Follow. Well, what if I don't believe this? Okay. I'm just, I just want to read you the scripture. If you, you have a choice whether you believe it. But believers believe. They have a tendency to believe. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Joseph Barlow Ministries podcast. This podcast is made possible by our listeners. To partner with us, head on over to josephbarlow.com where you can donate and help us share God's heart for families with the world. And if you want to learn how to hear the voice of God personally, please consider taking our Hearing the Voice of God in journaling class. You'll learn to develop an open connection with God and allow the Holy Spirit to guide you through every step of your life. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time.